Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. And we're magically live. <laughs> awesome. Well, my guest today, let me just say this. He's freaking cool. He's freaking cool. And I, I'm, I can't wait to just introduce him and get him, get him talking and preaching about content. Uh, he is a speaker, a top 50 fearless marketer, award winner, author of F Content Marketing, host of the Content Experience, co-founder, CMO of Uberflip, Randy Frisch. How are you, sir? I'm great. I'm, I'm really excited to be doing this today. It's, it's going to be fun, Casey. Yeah, man. Well, you know, like we wanted to get you on here because like your book just states it out loud, like F that, like just shaking up the, <laughs> the daisies all around marketing, just saying like, oh yeah, I'm content marketing. No, you're like shaking the trees down. And so I wanted to get you on here and, and just kind of let you do this. So here, I'm, I'm going to pass you this over here. <laughs> Thor's hammer. Just well, thank that. you. Well, thank you. And I need uh, you to smash a, like a marketing BS, like a myth in the marketing world. Absolutely. Well, I, I mean, I feel like you lined it up uh, in a way that I can't avoid because if people haven't read my book, they're probably wondering, yeah, why would you have a guy on who drops f bombs? Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, with 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 so little care. I, I assure you, a lot of care went into it. I mean, I've I've had to kind of withstand my, my seven-year-old son questioning me on what other swear words I could have used on the front cover of the book. <laughs> bring it home. So, you know, I, I went into this knowing I was opening up a can of worms. And in fact, you know, when, it, when I went out, are you okay if I drop the actual word from time this to time? This is the you, hardcore marketing show. I know. I figure it is, but yeah. I, I always like to ask. I always like to ask. So, yeah, yeah, totally. You know, the truth is when I wrote this, before I wrote the book, I wrote a blog post that, you know, touched on the areas that are in the book. And, and the blog post, when I wrote it as a draft, was called, you know, Fuck Content Marketing. And yeah. when I, usually when I would share a piece of content with my team that was going to publish, they'd say, great, like one less asset that we have to publish this week, right? Like uh, <laughs> this time I got back, there's no way we are going to publish this. We are going to offend every content marketer, every marketer, every CMO who's investing in content marketing. Like we're just not going to do it, Randy. They're like, it's not worth it. Uh, it's not worth the clicks, if you will. And I was like, all right, like, I, I get it. I, I get it. It's the wrong word. I, and I said to them, like, what else would you rather me use? And they said, well, can't you change it to something softer, like something like stop content marketing? And I said, well, no, no, no. Like, that's not the idea. I don't want people to stop content marketing. You know, that would suggest, like, it's a bad idea. I, I said, I think the problem is it's one of those situations where it's like, we're, we're not doing it right. So if we're not going to do it right, let's not do it at all. Mm -hmm. um, and they said, well, you know, are you talking about the whole debate between quality versus quantity? And I said, no, 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 no. Like that's, you know, that's, Anne Hanley fights that fight really well. And I, I love Anne and she talks about creating great content that's, you know, well thought out and aligned to your personas and all those things. Right. My thing was that we're not using most of the content that's being created, right? So, uh -huh. so if we're not going to use it, then definitely stop. But, but don't stop because content is the key to pushing a deal along. Like I, I know a lot of your audience are probably B2B marketers. Maybe you've got some B2C marketers. Totally. You know, we're, we're going through these, you know, buyers are going through these really complex journeys. 
content is absolutely the key and content marketing is how we get there. The problem, you know, the big problem that's kind of evolved over the years is that we ended up defining content marketing really as creating content, you know, nothing more, not how do we use content? You know, the, the guys who, uh, yeah. right. Do you know the guys at, at content marketing Institute, Casey? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like Robert Rose, he'd be a great guest for you to have on, okay. on this yeah. podcast. And, Joe over there, who's no longer at CMI, but you know they really helped coin this term content marketing, and, and their intention was was great all along. I mean, they they define it. If you look at their definition, it's this idea of creating content that is uh, you know there to attract an audience that you know by making sure that content is valuable, relevant, and consistent, right? Like but, a lead magnet type content, right? Just get, get people in, yeah. But they also talk about like, what's the goal of that at the end of the day, it is to drive profitable customer action. And I think that's the part that, you know, didn't get moved into that translation. So we can dissect this in a couple of ways. You tell me which one you want to start on. We can talk about, you know, the headcount issues. Uh, We could talk about the technology issues. We talk about process issues. Which, which one of those do you like? Well, you know, I'm wondering, you know, back to, you said the content is the key, but the problem is that we're just creating it and we're not, we're not talking about how to use it. Is that, is that what we're talking about here? Yeah. So with that, let's talk about the people, right? Because okay, it's, yeah. it's ultimately on people headcount on, in terms of how we're going to use all this content. Got and it. Okay. And one, one of the tricky things that, that happened along the way is that you had all of a sudden, like go back, this wasn't the case. We have marketers whose job titles are content marketers, right? Like your, their job is I'm a content marketer. Right. And a lot of those, you know, who are probably listening to this podcast are probably, who is this guy, you know, telling me to, you know, F my job, right? right. I'm not, right. I'm not suggesting job. that. I'm yeah. not suggesting that. The, the, the problem is let's even just think about typical job descriptions for a content marketer. It's very focused around content creation. I mean, a lot of content marketers maybe were even journalism before they came into businesses and and became, you know, that publishing, you know, component of the marketing team. So we we think about content marketing very often around the lens of how do we create content? And I would even question if it should be on the content marketer to be leveraging that content, right? I mean, we, we sometimes look at them and say, well, you're not driving leads. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. Yes, their content should be applicable to do so. But I would argue that the, you know, the idea of leveraging content um, or putting content in front of people is ultimately going to fall onto the digital marketing team, the demand gen team. And this is where we start to move from this idea that content is purely for top of funnel Mm-hmm. where you know the content marketer should make sure that they rate great content that's SEO optimized. Yes, they should. I'm not saying that they shouldn't. But it's not on them to start injecting content into email drip campaigns and you know the link at the end of a retargeted ad or you know if we send a direct mail these days and we you know try and send people back to our site to engage content, that's on the rest of the team to figure out with the content team what type of content experience do we want to put in front of people? Right. Now, how are we going to line up the right assets to create more engagement? So I, is the problem really then that we're just creating a whole bunch, bunch of content and it doesn't matter, you know, quality versus quantity, all good, but it's just sitting there and no one's reading it or looking at it or, 
you know, making a podcast and no one listens to it. You, you know, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, it's, you know, there's, a it's great just, st- there's a great stat. I call it a great stat, but it's a, it's a really scary stat. It comes from Serious Decisions, which is now part of Forrester. And they say that 70% of the content that we're creating is going unused. Now, I've been challenged on that as- you Wait, know, how much? 70? 70. It's, it's scary. Like, that means if you create seven assets, only 30% is being used. I mean, that is really scary to consider. Now, the question that I always get challenged on that one is, well, what do you mean by used? Well, <laughs> serious decisions, it's not me. And, and let's be clear. Using content doesn't mean that it lives on your website. Right? You know, because the reality is no one's going to your website and combing through to find that piece of content that you have on page 17 of your Google result, yeah. right? Like, you know, when you, you know, there used to be that great joke, which was, you know, what's the best place to hide something, right? And the answer was page two of Google results. Yeah, right? sure. Uh, it's kind of cheesy. It's like a good dad joke. Uh, but, you know, these days I would argue that in some cases that's like result to, right? Like we all have Google homes in our, in our, you know, homes and offices sure. and things like that. You know, we say, Hey Google, you know, tell me, you know, how to make poached eggs and Google just finds me the first result. So the idea of finding content is, is really changing. What we need to get to the point is we start to surface the right content for people. We start to ensure that the content that they're going to encounter is lined up in a very thoughtful way. Now, let's go back to like some consumer examples that we can all relate to beyond Google Home. You know, remember the days of going into a Blockbuster, right? Like, you know, yeah, like the ones that are now all Starbucks on every corner. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We used to go every corner had a video store where we Blockbuster. Could go. Yeah, it was Blockbuster. fun. You walk down the rows and look at the different videos. It was amazing. It was. Yeah. Amazing. I, I just saw Captain Marvel a few weeks ago, and there was some great. Uh, Great blockbuster throwbacks in that. Movie. Oh, I bet. Uh, she she literally lands in it in that in there, and you see those aisles, right? You see that need to navigate up and down. We all got frustrated with that, right? You know, Netflix yeah. disrupted. They didn't go and create that same model where you had to you know navigate through the action versus the comedy versus the sun. Right. They started to say, I'm going to be smarter about how I deliver content to you. I'm going to get to know you, and I'm going to make sure when you come into my blockbuster aka the netflix experience Mm -hmm. i'm going to actually curate the right content for you that you care about that's where we have to start taking our content if we don't then it goes as we said unused 70 percent goes unused because what many of us do is we take all that content we've created the content we've worked really hard in like the content marketers listening to this like you're geniuses you write amazing content but then it goes and it just sits there on page 17 as we said or we have to go, you know, navigating through some sort of complex menu versus saying, okay, I'm going to really try and understand who I'm interacting with and what are the five to 12 assets that I maybe have to try and get in front of them over the next number of weeks. And the faster I can do that, the more I can spoon feed that to them, the more likely they're going to be to buy from me. Right. I mean, it, it ties into the reason why we, you know, we try to do email segmentation and, and break up the larger group. So we're not just sending the same thing to everyone, you know? Uh, and, absolutely. So you mentioned people was part of the the problem. Are there other aspects of that in terms of? Yeah. So, so let's get to technology, but it, I'll yeah. transition there on something you just said, which I, I love that you just said it because I often talk about this and a lot of us marketers, a lot of the marketers listening to this podcast right now, if I asked you, 
how do you think strategically about sending out emails? Like whether you use a platform like Marketo or Pardot or Eloqua right. or HubSpot, whatever you're, even if you're using MailChimp, right? You say, well, of course, like I'm thinking about how do I get someone from one email to the next, to the next? How do I keep their attention over, you know, a six week program that I'm going to do to nurture them in some sort of meaningful way, right? Like right. we all know how to do that and we optimize that like, like there's no tomorrow, right? Like we'll change out subject lines, we'll change body, you know, we'll, we'll change who it's sent from. We A-B test left, right, and center when it comes to right. That, right? But how many of us think that way when it comes to our content, right? Because what we all think is how do I get them to the second email? Versus what if we could take the following approach? What if we said, all right, I'm going to send them an email still. Maybe that's, you know, I'm not suggesting emails dead. Um, right. but, but when they click on that call to action in the email, it's probably going to a piece of content. How many of us think about the nurture path in the same way for that content? Where if they read this piece, then give them that piece. And then if they do that, do this. And if they don't, adapt the rest of the nurture experiences we're giving to them in their marketing programs. That's where we need to start to get to with content. And it's not, it's not, it, it sounds like a far jump, but we all as marketers know how to think about this already, mm -hmm. right? You know, when, when you look at these decision trees that we have up in our offices or on spreadsheets that we're passing around, you know, I, I don't know about you, Casey, my wife looks at that stuff and she's like, what in the world do you do? Like, this is right. so complex. Right. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, like, that's just how we think. That's how we think as marketers. Yeah, we're, we're an if this, then that type of, type of brain. Uh, and we just have to start to take that to, our, to the approaches that we take with content, which is a great transition to technology, right? In, in that you know, a lot of us, when we think about content marketing technology, we think similar to how we think of the role of a content marketer. It's purely around how do we improve workflow for content creation? Mm, but what we okay. don't do, and this is where a lot of, uh, you know, more traditionally, uh, groups like Gartner and Forrester have struggled a bit with their definitions of content marketing, because when they go to evaluate content marketing software, and then in turn, when, you know, people listening to this podcast, you know, look at their research, everything weights very heavily to those solutions that are built for the content marketer to, to create and pump out more content, right? And yeah. I'm not suggesting that's not important. I actually think, I think, you know, the more efficient we can be, the more thoughtful we can be with content, the better. So if you're trying to do that, use a solution like Post, use a solution like NewsCred, Contently. These are great companies that help with the workflow of content. Now, if but you're not right, right, it's all about the creation and creation is even the problem at this point. It's no one's, no, no one's looking at your 70%. It's true. It's, it's interesting though. I mean, I, I do think it'll change. In fact, uh, only about two weeks ago, uh, not even, I don't think, Forrester came out with their new wave, right? So, you know, Forrester's wave is the equivalent of uh, Gartner's Magic Quadrant. Magic Quadrant, yeah, yeah. So on. So Forrester's an analyst firm, and, and they came in and they said, you know what? These content marketing waves or these landscapes of content marketing software, they're actually quite confusing to people. So they did a couple things. One is they said, okay, we're going to split into two different waves. We're going to have one for B2B and one for B2C, right? So that, that was interesting. So let's, let's take a look for today just at the B2B, um, right. you know, for, for the purposes of this podcast. In the B2B, they, they had five criteria, right? Now, the first four of five criteria are still very heavily focused 
on the idea of how do I create content. So they had things like planning, production, governance, and utilization, right? All very, how do I get content out the door? But the cool part was they, you know, and they've had this last fifth criteria before, it's called activation. But what shifted on this one is that it had the highest weighting on it than anything else, right? Oh, wow. Yeah, so all the other ones averaged anywhere from 15 to 20% of the weight. This one had 30% of the weight, right? So when you look at that, what they were saying, and I I got to talk to Laura, who's one of the analysts who did the report. Um, She said activation is really the key because, you know, similar to what I was saying, she said, you know, there's no point in slaving away at creating all that content if we're not going to get it into the marketing programs and the go-to-market. Right. Like that's really what's going to drive the business forward at the end of the day is our focus on doing so in a meaningful way. Um, now, as you know, my day job is, you know, when I'm not doing podcasts is, is CMO at Uberflip. And we were really excited. You know, I'll, I'll be honest, we didn't necessarily score great in some of the content creation areas. That's not what right. we try and do. Uh, as I said, there's great companies that did do well in there and we partner really closely with but we scored higher than any other vendor in the wow. activation, right? So that was really exciting for us, really validating. You know, Is that not us- frustrating though, that like everyone's lopped into the same bucket saying, well, we need you to be able to help plan and create. It's like, look, creation is not the problem anymore. This is like a different wave altogether, really. This is the activation it's- problem here. You know, you know, it, it's. I, I'm going to be really honest with. I guess not just with you, also your listeners. Like, oh, it's just we, us, man. We, we debated. <laughs> we we debated really heavily if we wanted to go in, right? Uh, because we knew we didn't know what the weighting would look like, but we knew we wouldn't score well on, you know, some of the creation, you know, related elements. Right. Um, but we said, you know what? If we don't start to educate, which I really think is what you're doing when you speak to an analyst. I mean, this is getting off of, of talking content marketing perhaps. But That's cool. Tangents are fun, man. Let's yeah, marketers always have to talk to analysts. I, I view that, you know, talking to an analyst is, is honestly like, you know, hosting a podcast, right? You know, yeah. the benefit, and, and I host a podcast too, as you know, the right. benefit I get out of hosting obviously is, you know, connecting with our, our prospects and customers and you know, leads and all of that. But it's also like it challenges my thinking, right? Yeah. And, and I get to, you know, sometimes share some of my thoughts. I get to hear some of our guest thoughts. It's no different when you're talking to an analyst. The, the reason you engage is to be educated and to educate back, right? right. And, and what we looked at ultimately was, okay, we know we don't agree with the overall definition of content marketing in most cases. And we're, we're in, in a way, we kind of wave the white flag and say like, okay, we're not going to be a content marketing platform. I'll get to what we are. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we, we said, well, maybe we can start to educate them on the areas that content marketing was supposed to touch on. And whether that means that it redefines content marketing or more likely what I think will happen is a new category will rise. Right. Uh, you know, with analysts, it can take a little bit longer. Interesting uh, G2 crowd, which is kind of like a, a, I think they're just called G2 now. I think. Yeah, I know those guys. Uh, yeah, they're great. Ryan would be another great guest for you. He's okay. CMO. Uh, anyways, you know, they, what they did is they actually went and they said, you know what, this content marketing thing is confusing. They created, they called them grids, three separate grids, one for oh, content okay. creation, yeah. one for content distribution, 
And the third one, which is I really think what will, what will start to be more on the rise is the a grid for content experience solutions. Um, and you know, we're, we ended up on that content experience uh, grid uh, as the leader in that category. There's a number of other really cool companies that are doing interesting things you know, to help push content experience in different ways. Companies like SnapApp, uh, who help with interactive content. Companies like Ceros, who are probably similar to them, would live there. Uh, you get into you know, a whole bunch of different you know, solutions. There's companies like Showpad who help in different ways as well. So it starts to make it, as you said, easier for us as a marketer to sit here and be like, all right, like how the hell am I gonna tackle this content challenge, right? When it's not just about creating content, right? Like I, you know, I read Randy's book and he says, I gotta activate my content or I got <laughs> content experience. Like how is that different? And, and I think right. that's where, you know, we're still at a very early stage of, of understanding and deploying this type of strategy into our organization. One of the things I remind ourselves is like, many of us are trying to create publishing arms inside of our organizations. And we wanna be as, as dominant in some cases or drive as much impact as like the New York Times or, or you know, Time Magazine or whatever. I mean, th those brands have been around for years. Uh, and even if your brands around, been around for years, have you, have you really had time to optimize your workflows the way they have? Right, right. You know, it, that's really cool because as you're describing the analyst process, I was like, oh man, you got thrown in this giant wave pool with some other products. But it sounds like from that heavy weighting on activation that, that maybe that mutual education did occur. And you yeah. know, give you all the credit, but I'm sure yeah, there's a bunch of different conversations. No, I listen. I, they, they, they listened, you know, kudos they, to them. These analysts are, are, first of all, they add a lot of value too because they push you to really evaluate your product um com, you know versus the lens that they see and versus the things that they're hearing from customers so right. you know even as an example like we we at uberflip you know may say to ourselves okay from a product roadmap perspective we are not going to go down the content creation side anytime soon right um but that doesn't mean that it's not on us to ensure that we work hand in hand with those companies. So right. the question then becomes, all right, great. So it's not, it's not part of, it's not going to be part of our core competency, but how do we open up an ecosystem and a marketplace that allows our technology to integrate with the technologies that our customers are using for that purpose? Makes uh, sense. And I think that's, you know, that's, you know, that's where I think we're starting to see, you know, the winners or losers in the MarTech landscape. I'm not just talking about the area we're in. I mean, as a CMO, when we're evaluating technology, that's very much the lens that I'm approaching with, right? Which is, right. okay, is this, is this a tool that's going to sit on an island and not integrate with anything, in which case there's one owner and they don't get to really think strategically across the business? Or is this something that actually connects with all the other things that we're trying to do? Yeah, in, in today's day and age, you got to connect to, you know, a minimum, the marketing automation, you know, even better if it's all fed through to CRM, you get that close one revenue, you can actually see what it's doing to the process. Absolutely, that attribution loop. I have a question for you. You know, you mentioned that they had split up creation, distribution, experience. What would be the difference between distribution and experience? It's a great question. Uh it, it, it was uh, it was actually fun to work with the G two team because they reached out to us for some perspective along the way and yeah. uh, you know ultimately they they did it the way they wanted to but you know it was it was exciting to be part of that 
Um, I, I think when, when a lot of us, like, let's take a step back to the problem, right? The problem yeah. is we create all this content and then it doesn't get used. But most people would argue that and say, you know, I'm not part of that you know, group, you know, wasting 70%. As we said, you know, they'll say that I am distributing it. I'm putting it up on my website and I'm throwing it into uh, my social channels. Right. Nurture. Yeah, it's it's dropped into nurture. Yeah. But as we said, we've already uncovered this. Like a lot of that isn't strategic. It doesn't record. It doesn't have planning. We don't think about what piece of content comes next. We talked about that Netflix experience, right? right. Like when I jump onto Netflix uh, and I I open up Netflix, they continue me where where I, where I left off. And it's when true. I'm done watching a season, which I've binged in a whole day, they're not like, okay, you're done. They're like, here's something else that you may enjoy. Right. Or oh, here's the next season, or here's yeah. some other thing you're gonna get hooked on. Yeah, my friend Drew Davis, uh, you know, who's a great, great speaker, great marketer. Um, you know, he he talks about this idea that we all feel like we need like short bits of content, but then he challenges that by saying, uh, you know, tell that to the people who watch an entire season of Stranger Things the weekend it comes out, right? He's like, you know, they're there to engage in that moment. They want it. Don't make them wait that week. Uh, I, I talk about my kids a lot, but you know, my kids turn on cable television. And they just don't get it. They don't get it. Remember how excited we got about that guide when it came out? Like, oh, yeah. 20 years ago, we're like, this is amazing. They yeah. can't make Remember sense. the one, like the OG one was, I mean, you can't even move the guide. It just scrolled. Oh, yeah. You had to wait. You know? You're like, yeah, you oh, waited. I just missed my favorite channel. Yeah, you just missed your channel. You got to wait for it to scroll through all 100 or whatever, yeah. you know, well, back to yours. It's funny because my kids watch Netflix, obviously. Uh, and, I don't know if you ever watched, but there's there, some of the shows that get syndicated there. It'll say something like uh, new shows weekly. And my kids will sit there and they'll be like, what does that mean? Why do you have to wait a week to get the next <laughs> show? And I'm like, well, that's the way it was. That's yeah. That's the way we, you know, consumed content back in the day. And they just don't get that. And I think there's a lot of parallels with us as marketers, right? We sit there and we say, well, I'm going to wait until next week until I send the next email to send them that next piece of content. When that person's ready to buy, they want to be able to be spoon fed all the information. They don't want to go searching as we said earlier. So, you know, back to this idea of what is the difference between distribution and experience? Distribution is simply that we send content out. We don't give a lot of thought to where people will land and what they'll be served next. That is what the experience is. Experience comes down to, what is it that you're encountering when you right. come across content? So a lot of people will say to me, it's actually, it's, you know, I, I, cute makes it sound like I'm insulting people, but uh, it's, it's, it's kind of naive, if you will, where people will say something like, oh, I keep hearing about content experience and it's something that we're going to invest in next year. And I'm like, well, that's great. Like what's holding you back? Well, we do, we're just not ready for content experience. Yeah. You know, we're, <laughs> we're still trying to figure out this creation thing, or we got some other campaigns going on and I'll say like, so you, like I'll almost laugh at them and they're like, I, I, they can sense it with me cause I'm pretty open. And, and my point to them is to suggest you're going to do it next year to suggest it can wait, suggests that you're not even doing it right. Right. Plain and simple. If you're delivering content, if you're serving content, you're distributing it then people are having an experience with your content the question right. you just, the question is whether it's a good one or a bad one or like is it helping you win deals or more dramatically is it helping you lose deals right, right. um and and that's the part where where people start to say okay that makes sense 
I get it. Having content's not enough. Uh, and then I get a lot of questions. Okay, like what's the key to good content experience? So I, I simplify it usually around three buckets. Um, yeah. You know, the, the couple of them we've already touched on. One is, is simply, uh, you know, looking at the structure, right? You know, how do we structure that content to make sure that it is going to be engaging, that we serve up the right content to the right people at the right time, right? Um, and that's, that's not, you know, simple by any means. Another aspect is to look at the environment. That's like, is it visually appealing aspects like that? Uh, you know, is it, is it, you know, set up in a way that's easy to navigate? There's a lot of elements. You combine those two elements and we start to be able to focus more on engagement, right? How do we personalize? How do we serve the next piece? How do we contextualize the CTA? There's a lot of different elements that go into these three different buckets, but by looking at environment, structure, and engagement, we can start to evaluate whether we're delivering a great content experience or like I said, one that's, you know, subpar and helping us lose deals or lose momentum and velocity. Right. And it, this makes sense. You were looking at the big picture and in that person that was saying like, I'm not ready yet. It sounds like in my head, I was thinking, Oh, they haven't created the 70% yet to get ignored yet. And it's almost like they want to follow that waterfall of let's do it wrong. Like everyone else did. And then once we're in the bucket with everyone else that did it wrong, then we'll go ahead and focus on experience. But to your point, it's already happening behind the scenes and it reminded me also of a I once as a, a younger lad um had the the I don't know the craziness to go ask our CEO that I, the company I was at I was like hey dude what's our culture you know I was like reading books and learning about like what's our culture and he actually told me we don't have one and and years later I realized actually you did <laughs> and, and it was actually a pretty good one it just because you weren't recognizing it, you just weren't controlling or you weren't aware of it. You couldn't influence it whatsoever. So to your point, the cut, the content experience is happening. Yeah. And the, the distribution may or may not be happening, but the experience is happening. And if you're not, you know, in, intentional about it, then you just don't have control over anything of it. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree. I, I think that's a great analogy, by the way, the culture one, it's, it's funny. It's, at our company, we, we try and really put culture first. Yeah. Um, and I always tell the story of the, you know, we're around 150 people now, but in the early days, we didn't have a formalized culture. We didn't have a culture deck. We didn't have core values. We just wanted it to be a great place to work. Right. right? And to your point, there was a culture. It just wasn't defined. And yeah. I think in the early days, we, we, we were scared. We said, you know, like if we overly try and define this, then it would, then the culture will be lost. But if, but what we didn't realize, and you know, we eventually caught on when we were around 20 people, uh, was if we don't define it, no one else is going to know what it is, <laughs> yeah, right? Because exactly. we couldn't sit there with every employee and you know walk them through you know what our culture is. That's what we did with our first 10 employees. We're like, okay, you're gonna, you know, here's my brain. I'm gonna blend it to you for the next week, uh, and and I think you could almost say the same thing with all your content. Like if you could literally be on the site. You know, pointing around being like, okay, look at this piece up here, then look at this one here, then look at it, like for right. everyone, great. Um, and, and, you know, really accommodate everyone's challenges navigating and, you know, ensuring that they know what piece to come to next and why it would help them, you know, but we can't do that at scale. So we have to, you know, as individuals, we have to, you know, layer in, you know, great process and great technology at the right time, you know, to, to allow us to ensure that scale exists. And that's, 
you know, back to the book that I wrote. Um, yeah, yeah. The, you know, the whole second part of the book, there's three parts. The first one kind of looks at the state of the world that we're in today as marketers and kind of fun, fun look at some of the, you know, Spotify and Netflix like examples and some right. others that, that I've shared already. The middle of the book uh, looks into the idea of, well, how do we deliver content experience at scale? And I unpack a, a five-step framework uh, that really helps. If people want to go take a peek at it, uh, they can go to uberflip.com slash CE, as in content experience. And it's, it's not really Uberflip promotional, don't worry. Uh, it's, it's a framework, five steps, it'll walk you through it. And whether you're using technology or not, there's a lot of things in there that you can start to do to ensure you're delivering a better content experience. That's cool. What's the, what's the first one or like, what's the, whether it's the five steps or what's the, where do you start on that journey? Yeah, that's a great question. You know? Sure. So, uh, before I, before I give the steps, it's, it's important to remember something that we've, we've mentioned a couple of times already. This is not, we're not talking about how to create better content. Right. right. We're talking about what do you do when you've figured out how to nail content creation? Um, and so this, this kind of picks up, after that's happened, we've got great content. Now we got to figure out how to use a hundred percent of it or as close as possible. Uh, and so the first step is to centralize. Does that mean there's at some point you're not ready for that? You have to figure out the content creation part first or it's a, it's, you, it's a good question. I would anger, say, you know, like I, I would say that you should have future line of sight to what type of content experience you you go on, you plan okay. to deliver um you know the the one part that people get caught up on is they never think they have enough content uh True. so you know the question you know this is for maybe another podcast another day we could go hours <laughs> on this it's like what is content what is not content got all day <laughs> baby let's do this <laughs> <laughs> it's uh you know that's that's a whole you know question you know for today, let's let's look at the idea of, of content being everything from a blog post to an ebook, uh, a webinar that you've got that's pre-recorded. Uh, I don't know sure. if white paper in there, uh, infographics if you're still doing those. <laughs> all, all these forms of content assets that we think about being our marketing collateral that we're going to use to educate people around. And yeah, I would argue the first step is to actually centralize all that content, right? A lot of that content we don't often have control over or our audience has to go to different channels or different pages to find. And that's, that's not the way that people think. I mean, when's the last time you went in to a website and said to yourself, all right, I'm gonna figure out what these guys do by looking at eBooks, right? <laughs> you just don't say that. Like you say, no, no like I wanna figure out what these guys do because I have the following problem and tell me how you solve it. Right. It's, you know, let's go back to the blockbuster that we were poking at before. It would be like going in there and saying, I want an action movie. Now I have to go look only at action movies versus saying, I want a Tom Hanks movie. And some of those may be in action. Some of them may be drama. Some of them may be all over the place. How do I, you know, help guide me through, you know, right. content that, that actually appeals to me. Right. So to do that, we need to centralize content so we can be in control. That leads us to the second step. The second step is to organize that content. This is probably the least sexy thing that a marketer wants to do. It's the most boring. I mean, for those who love it, like, let me know. I know a million people looking to hire people like totally. you. Uh, but, you know, it's taking the time to actually tag your content, audit your content, 
understand what collateral exists in your organization. That's really hard. Like it's hard for a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, marketers turn over so quickly in organizations these days. So the idea of, you know, a new marketer on a team knowing what content was created more than six months ago is sometimes foreign to companies. Oh um, yeah. So having a good process. Landing pages, nurture campaigns. It, it, yeah. It's definitely a, a black hole in some cases you inherit who, who knows what. Exactly. Um, but our, but our audiences are always finding that stuff or stumbling upon it. So, you know, are we, are we in a position to really leverage all those assets? Um, you know, by, by taking the time to, to organize content, you're able to move on to step three. Uh, and for clarity, I go way deeper into some of these and give you great tips in the book. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. But step, step three is the idea of personalizing. This is the fun part. This is, this is the part like marketers would love to do all day long. Uh, and it's the idea of how do we, how do we take all that work that we've done by centralizing and organizing to actually start to engage with people in a more meaningful way to deliver those Netflix like experiences to, you know, have that same experience when you take out your phone, you open up Spotify and it literally says, you know, the music playlist was made for you. Yeah. I like that. It's, that's a great feeling. Like, you know, everyone listening to this podcast, I mean, for all I know, they're listening on Spotify. You know, they, they navigate one bar over, don't stop listening, but navigate one bar over (laughs) to the home and, and you'll see like, there's a playlist waiting there made for you. And you know, there's probably thousands of people listening to this podcast right now. They all have content made for them. Yeah. Right? And it's and all it, different. All your lists are going to be different. Yeah. yeah. Now it doesn't mean that ACDC is pumping out a new track for me, but <laughs> what, it, what it does mean is, is that you've, they've thought about what matters to me. And that's what we want to do as marketers for our audiences. That's the personalization step. Once we personalize, then we move on to distribute. Right? Mm-hmm. which if you remember that similar to the way that G2 looked at the, at the world, which is once you personalize the experience that we're going to land on, right. then distribute back to those destinations. Right. And don't flip that order. Cause then you're just messing, right. give it to them. And it's not the right, it's not personalized and fails. Yeah. yeah. How many times have you guys, you know, gone to one of these landing pages, actually filled it out. Then you, you know, go onto a PDF that's downloaded into your download file. And then you forget how to even get back to the page where you started to keep your journey going. Right. Like, and then back to the point, we got to wait, you know, for the weekly episode to launch, which is the next email nurture. Like that's not how we're, we're consuming content in our lives. So why would we deliver content in that way? Uh, And, and that's really the, you know, the way to start shifting our thinking when we start to distribute back to these personalized experiences. Now we can move to that final step, which is the idea of generating results, um, which, you know, doesn't necessarily happen in one fell swoop. There's a lot of planning that goes into that. There's a lot of thought. There's a lot of strategic call to actions that we, we can put, but we can do that in a more scalable way when we have a framework like this. So we call that again, the content experience framework. Uh, you can get it by, by getting in the book or, you know, just go to uberflip.com CE. And that C, like Charlie Echo? C. Yeah. Okay, C cool. or, or like content experience. <laughs> content experience. There we go. It, we'll put this in the show notes as well so people can just click onto that. Uh, yeah, this is like tip of the iceberg, right? To really dive into each and every one of those steps. Uh, it gives some order to the chaos having a process to follow as well. You know, it kind of gets us process-minded. I think sometimes in marketing, we, you know, not only do we lack organization sometimes, we lack, lack process, right? We, Absolutely. Yeah, this comes first and then this and then this. And I mean, that's the customer experience is a, is a process, whether we're intentional about it or not. So I like that question for you. 
Uh, we mentioned this a bunch of times about binging on Netflix. Do you see lots of binging on content? Absolutely. I, I, I see it when content's structured well and, and content's organized well, as we've talked about. Uh, you know, we have a, a customer of ours named Blackbaud, uh, and they, what they started to see is when they drop people into these curated content experiences, you know, they would see as, ma- as many as seven pieces of content consumed in one visit. Um, which is amazing. I mean, there's, there's actually stats uh, out there that say that on average, we need seven pieces of content before we're ready to buy. Uh, so, you know, you line that up and you start to think about it. You know, for some of us, we may be confident to say, you know what, if I send seven emails over seven weeks, they'll be ready to buy from me. But who's CEO, CMO, VP of sales wouldn't much rather that seven week period go down to a day or seven days or two weeks, whatever it is, if you can consolidate that by dropping people into something that's going to increase pipeline velocity, then it, it, you know, naturally just cuts down our sales cycle. Yeah. And I, I think about how, when we leverage, I mean, a lot of what we do is work with marketing automation and you got to take some extra effort to be able to give people the ability to choose their own adventure and go faster you know, so I can really see how, you know, tech can come in and really help with that because otherwise that email is not scheduled to go out till next week or worse next month, you know? Absolutely. And I love that, that drop of, of choose your own adventure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wrote a, a, a blog post recently uh, and it's, I don't know if you've watched Bandersnatch. You've watched that? Oh, that was the Netflix one, right? Yeah. I mean, that's uh, so wild, man. To me, I to us, I, 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 no, I I was about to say I didn't love the movie itself. Like that's not my genre. Uh, but what genre is that even? I don't know. It's just like gory, sad outcomes. Uh, but but the, <laughs> yeah. the concept of it to me, first of all, the interactive element, the choose your own adventure, the fact that you know if you haven't seen this movie, and I, I won't ruin it, uh, you basically are are given choices throughout the movie, and depending on what you choose, the movie adapts. Um, so with it, this won't ruin it, but the first choice is like, what cereal do you want? Or what cereal right. do you want the main character to eat? And depending on what you choose, that's what you see throughout the movie. Uh, and, and, and it's, I think it's that idea though, of they've thought out every different scenario. And I, I challenge marketers to always think that way. It's like, okay, if they consume this piece of content, have you thought about what they should consume next? Right. right. Or how does the story change? Because, too many of us, we just think very linear in terms of how we serve. Yeah, I was thinking very like linear binary, right? Like they either consumed my content or they didn't. It's like maybe they wanted something different. And can you give them two paths to follow like Bandersnatch? Or are you just telling them like eat this one cereal or don't, you know? Exactly. Absolutely. What do you Absolutely. want for breakfast? What are my options? Cereal. <laughs> exactly. Uh, cereal, <laughs> please? Yeah. Absolutely. So wild, man. Well, this is, this is really, really cool. Um, you know, how, how does Uber flip, flip fit into this? Right. Cause you know, I've definitely been around it a lot. It fits into that experience. What, what does it do to then solve that experience? Sure. side? Absolutely. So we, I, I, I'm not going to necessarily say that we built around the framework because it, it was something I've only worked on probably for three years or so. Sure. Um, but we've always got it in mind now as we build out our product roadmap. And so Uberflip is built to allow marketers uh, who are 
not just the content marketer again, but probably the digital marketing team, the demand gen team, the you know, audience segmentation teams, you know, the ability to go take all the content that's created yeah. and actually start to get that in front of people. So uh, I, I, I don't want to make this promotional, but yeah, you know, no, I'll give you like yeah, some idea <laughs> of how someone would use whether you use Uberflip or whether you try to hack this together yourself in some sort of way that probably won't scale, but you know, start that way. That's good. Um, you know, start to think about, okay, well, what do I do to deliver these content experiences? Now, first off, you want the people who are coming to your website to find content in a more organized manner. So rather than doing it by webinar, video, you know, ebook, like those shouldn't be your drop down menu. It should be around the topics, and challenges that people have. That's huge, man. That's huge. So not around the medium. Is it weird to say it's the message or it's the... Uh, I don't know the if path? this is the type of thing, but uh, <laughs> uh, the medium of the message. I, I think it's more, don't think by format, think by problem. Think about yeah, your experience and, and think about how you're going to be there to solve for them. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's, you, you know, it's, it's solution selling, right? And, and it's moving away from, you know, let's say, let's say you and I consumer world again, and I haven't really rehearsed this example, but let's say we went into a Verizon store. I'm, I'm Canadian. So I would say Rogers. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and I went in and I wanted, you know, a new smartphone. Uh, you know, the simple approach would be, well, do you want an iPhone or do you want a, uh, or do you want an Android device or do you want a flip phone or do you want a keyboard on the, on the phone, et cetera. Yeah. That would be the, the old school way to sell, right? Versus asking me questions like, tell me about how, how you live, right? Like, yeah. you know, you know do, do you worry about taking photos? Do you have a family? You, yeah. know, you know, do you do a lot of work? You know, are you using a Google suite or using, you know, different apps, you know, tell me about the app environment they use. The more that we can start to, you know, solve with content, same way that we, you know, solve for people's real life problems versus like, here are my products, what do you want, right? So I, I think that, yeah. that that's really how we have to start to shift our thinking. No, I love that. I mean, it's such a wake up call. I mean, again, why you do podcasts, why I do podcasts is one, you've got me thinking about activation. Two, you got me just reminding me like, it's not about what category of, you know, hey, webinars over here. And how many times have I seen that? I'm sure I've done that where it's like, yeah. let's bundle guilty of webinars, it. Like, put them over here. I mean, people, now they can leave their Spotify app if they listen on Spotify or wherever they're listening. Go pull up their own website. I yeah. guarantee, you know, eight out of 10 of us probably have content organized by format. Right. right. Um, and we see what happened to Blockbuster doing that. Right. You know, True. let's be more like Netflix in that way. But it, it also it doesn't end there, Casey. Like, you know, people don't always come to our site ready to buy. Right. We've right. got to nurture them. We've got to get in front of them. So what Uberflow can help do there is suppose that you're sending out a uh, email, like we said earlier, or you're doing a retargeted ad and, you're, and you know the account that you're trying to close. Right. Like a lot of people on yeah. probably you know, adopting ABM strategies. Sure. Right? If you're not talking ABM in your office, it's, it's kind of like what's going on. Uh, and 
So if, if you're doing that, you want to deliver something more, even more personalized to that account. You may want their logo on the page of content. You may be driving them there. So it can be more of a gated experience that's not SEO optimized, but more targeted to the person that you're, you're trying to deal with. Right. So do that for one or two accounts. Like I said, go hack away at that. You know, make something, prove that it works. Probably do that for 10 even. Mm -hmm. But if you... If you truly want to do that at scale, like we have a, a, a company uses us called Snowflake. Uh, last I spoke to Daniel, who ends up their ABM there. Uh, they've built out 1,200 account-specific pages with hand-picked content. Wow. Right? And um, now when you go there- It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot, right? But, but they're a billion-dollar organization, right? And, and at that scale, we have to start going after accounts because- you know, I actually said this to him recently. I was like, why do you need to go after so many? He's like, well, I told every one of our sales reps, you know, to simply give me their top 10 accounts, right? I'm like, right. so why do you end up with 1,200? He's like, I have 120 sales reps, right? <laughs> so, and, and they're growing there. They're going to double that team in the coming year. So you start to think about that from the, the perspective on your team today. It's like, could you possibly build out enough content experiences for every account. Um, right. You're probably going to trip along the way. That's where you start to layer in technology, but only once, like I always say, tech's the last thing to layer on, you know, start mm -hmm. with great people add a process. Like, you know, we talked about the content experience framework here and, you know, and then once that, once you get to that point where you have that great process, then you layer on the tech. Right. Right. Yeah. Tech should come last once you've got everything figured out. So I got to know, this this crazy cool guy in, up in uh, Canada. Like, who are you? Where did you come from? Take us back, man. Like, like little Randy, you know, crushing. Yeah, you know, how did you become the CMO thought leader? Content, you know, f this disruptor guy. Yeah, I, listen, I, I consider myself lucky to be where I'm at right now. Um, I I love marketing. I love you know the, the fact that I get to be a CMO, let alone CMO of a company that I co-founded that is a Martech solution. Uh, is is pretty exciting, but uh, you know how you get here. It's it's a combination of good luck and bad luck, right? Like uh, it's it's not all it's not always all roses. And uh, you know, if if I go back, I always had a passion for marketing. Um, you know, I grew up. I I thought Super Bowl commercials were really cool. If if you asked me when yeah. I was thirteen, I would have said like, yeah, I'll, I'll make Super Bowl commercials somewhere really? along like the that, way. Like I, that young, you're like, man, I want to I want to make those. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't know where that flip switch that I realized that B2B marketing was sexier than Super Bowl commercials, but uh, <laughs> we'll just say that it happened somewhere. And, you know, my first job or was, was more in sales. Uh, it was for a very large organization, great learning experience, uh, great managers, great leaders, but it, it, it wasn't the right environment for me long-term. Yeah. Um, it was... Uh, you know, I, I learned a ton by being in those roles, but I, I wanted the pace to move faster. I wanted to be in a more entrepreneurial environment. Um, you know, along the way, I started to do some things like that. But, you know, some of the first things that I got to do just weren't necessarily areas I was passionate in. So, sure. you know, in, in 2012, when we started Uberflip, it was really around this idea of how do we, how do I get to do something that I'm passionate about? The, the funny thing, like I said, some of the bad luck is shortly before that, like I couldn't find a job. Um, really? I was, I, I mean, I was, I, I was the term frictionally unemployed, I think. Uh, like I could find a job, but 
at that point I had an MBA, I had worked a number of years, oh, like sure. I couldn't find stuff that aligned to my experience <clears throat> in an area I was passionate about. So I went and said, okay, well, I'll, I'll just start something in that case. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, it was a bit of desperation, but it pushed me down that road. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's that type of mindset that's, that's kept kept us pushing, whether we, you know, we're nailing it with customers or whether we were, you know, learning from them in terms of how we can nail it. Um, it was this idea like, okay, this is something I'm passionate about. It'll be easy to, you know, to jump on board in that way. That's cool, man. I was thinking of like little Nemo. I just saw this weekend, like just keep swimming, just keep swimming, right? Like he just, just kept pushing through and trying things. And eventually like, let me create something myself. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, great. I love the, the Pixar reference anytime. <laughs> yeah, anytime, right? Yeah, just drop a little reference. Well, you know, you had this whole journey in, and you even, you know, you went to school for this and whatnot. If you had to give advice to like yourself day one of your marketing career, getting out of school and it's like, here you go world, you know, what would you tell yourself, you know, looking back? What kind of advice would you give yourself? Oh, it's a good question. Um, I would say... I would say that you have to earn your way. Um, you got to understand the. You got to understand what the customer is experiencing to be able to solve for the customer. Um, it's funny. I remember when I was first job, like for our first real job at a university. I, I alluded to this already. It was it was a sales role. I, I bought into it because it was like a field marketing role. It was called, and I wanted to be a marketer, but it was really sales and. I was going Walmart to Walmart store uh, with a territory trying to get the product of the company, which was rubber made into the stores. And we ultimately started to call ourselves glorified stock boys, um, wow. you know, who had to just like bring product out from the back and try and sell in you know, a bigger order and things like that. And I remember cursing it all the time, just being like, I didn't go to school for this. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I didn't go get a degree and uh, you know, obviously not to my boss or anything like that, but, it wasn't until I, I, a year or so later, I was promoted into more of a product marketing role. And it, it was my ability to understand what was happening at store level, to understand what programs I would put in place, what displays for in-store I would, I would put together would actually work versus fail. And I think that I just started in a you know, product marketing role in the office, you know, wearing my nice pants and button down shirt uh yeah. versus the golf shirt with the logo uh <laughs> I, I i don't think i would have had the perspective and so I, I i think that that's something you know back back to the idea of advice it's you know before you try and jump in too deep make sure you understand the space you're in make sure you understand what motivates the customer and what their challenges are it's so different than that tangent we had earlier around like you know buying a mobile phone right like you know really understand you know think about how great of a product marketer the people working at store level could be if they actually, you know, had that interest and motivation and skill, but like, think about the knowledge that they're getting interacting with, with, uh, you know, buyers all day long. I mean, how many marketers actually get that much interaction? It's so true. I think that's some of the benefit or just the excitement of trade shows, you know, or, any kind of event where you can just talk to them and and 
trade show can be kind of weird that, you know, especially if you have a really good stuffed animal giveaway. I mean, I'm just looking for my kids at that point, <laughs> yeah. but, but, uh, but if there's, you know, there's a company called stencil, hopefully I'm pronouncing it right for them. I, we don't actually, I don't use their software, but they have the best stuffed animal handout at marketing events. Do they? So, I'll oh, keep yeah, an eye it for it. It's, it's like, uh, you know what it is. Uh, it's, it's a sloth or something maybe. I don't oh, know. Really? It's so cute. A little sloth. Well, I mean, that's the problem, right? You, your swag's too good and they don't even want to talk to you. They just yeah, want your swag. It's true. So good. But yeah, that makes total sense in terms of, you know, just where you're at and what you're trying to, trying to accomplish. Uh, absolutely. So good. So earn your way, understand at the product level, what's going on, get that experience, meet the customers, get down and dirty, roll the sleeves up, get in the product. I love that. It's awesome. Well, where can people find you? Where, you know, where, are you going to be at any events coming up soon? And also like, where can we connect with you on online, like LinkedIn, Twitter? Whatever. Absolutely. No, I, I'm, thanks for asking. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of events and then I'm at speaking and yeah, I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I'm trying to think some of the upcoming events that I'm always excited for. Uh, I'll, I'll be speaking at marketing profs again this year, which oh, is cool. a great event. I think it's moving to Washington this year. Uh, you know, the big event that, uh, yeah, uh, the, the big event that I am very involved in is called Connex, the content experience. And, uh, it's an event that, uh, you know, Uberflip is definitely involved in, but it's, it's much bigger than just us. Uh, I do it together with my friend Jay Bear. Uh, you know, we pulled together an amazing lineup of speakers, uh, we've got some great ones this year, like Neil Patel is coming out. Oh, yeah. we've got, uh, Megan Golden, who is up uh, content at LinkedIn. Uh, we've got uh, April Dunford, who's really great on positioning. Uh, we've got, uh, I'm trying to just give you some highlights and, and really round out the speaker lineup at the same time. Mark you Schaefer, know when it's going to be, when and where it's going to be this year? It's in Toronto, uh, okay. August 20th to 22nd. Oh, we've got a fun speaker too. I, sh I should mention this one. I, I don't know. I'm personally a Saturday Night Live fan. So I think this is really cool. We've got Cecily Strong, who's going to be speaking. Uh, if you don't know who she is, she's one of, she's one of, uh, she's been a cast member for a number of years. She used to be one of the Weekend Update uh, hosts. Uh, she's got some great skits. Uh, she's like that. What's it? She does it on Weekend Update. It's uh, the, the drunk person you wish you didn't run into at a bar. Oh, geez. Uh, and it's so great. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just Googled it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, she does great sketch characters. And, uh, you know, we're, we're excited to have her. I, I think we can learn a lot from improv as marketers, you know, that need to, you know, take chances and explore the unknown. And, uh, you know, we're going to have some fun with her as well as, you know, some really great marketing leaders. So people want to check that out, come to that event. It's, it's a three-day conference uh, in Toronto, as I said, which, you know, to, to kill any other myths, uh, you know, I know that's a big part of this podcast. It is not cold in Toronto in August. It's actually beautiful. Uh, but if I gave you the temperature, it would be Celsius. And, you know, many Americans. No one would off. understand what you're talking no, about. But it's, it's like a solid, <laughs> you know, high 20s, low 30s at the end of August uh, in Toronto. And people can go to conx.uberflip.com to check that out. Okay. Conx.uberflip.com. Yeah. C-O-N-E-X. No, I'm a big fan of Toronto. Um, I get a chance to go there at least once a quarter and, you know, some quarters are better than others, but uh, every time I go there it actually grows on me. I, I learn a little bit more, find some new area. 
or oh, some yeah. restaurant and yeah it's it's, cool. it's a great it's a great vibe great vibe and I, I hate dating podcasts but you know we've got a great basketball team uh you know right now you know making a run making a run we'll we'll see by the time people are listening to this well yeah good luck <laughs> <laughs> i can't talk down to boston you know all i do is win down here so <laughs> this is true I, I i did not feel bad for the celtics i mean you, you guys still i mean as as a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, I mean, you, your, your Bruins have had our number for quite a few years now. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I just, you know, just a little spoiled, but we, we earned it in the 90s. To your point, we got we to gotta earn your way. And we did in the 90s. We just straight losses left and right. So. Well, it's funny. My, my eldest son is 11 years old. And, uh, you know, in Toronto, we don't have an NFL team. We have a, another league called the CFL, which is, you know, not really worth watching. Uh, and uh, you heard it here, ladies and gents. Yeah, and and, um, and so my son is, you know, he's a he's a Patriots fan. He's a Tom Brady fan. And the funny thing, good though, kid. Is that, good kid. Yeah, eleven years. He's never had. He's never been challenged on that. Like I, I say to him, like the challenge will be is when they suck, and you have to decide are you going to stick with them through those years. But he's, you know, even though he's 11, he's still riding this, you know, untested loyalty. Absolutely, man. You know, <laughs> nation. Absolutely. Good, good to know. I, I don't blame him. I'm, I'm a Brady fan. That guy is, that guy is. <laughs> well, greatest of all time. I admittedly have a man crush there. It's all good. Yeah. Well, you know, I think the uh, the chart for the Super Bowl showed the regions of the country and you know, countries that were rooting for the Patriots. It was like New England, a couple a little splotches here, a little bit in Toronto, and then everything else was red, rooting for the other guys. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you get to a point. I mean, it's it's the same thing with the Warriors right now, right? Like, yeah. That's when true. is but it enough? I don't, I don't know because I'm in it. So I, I just think it's great, you know? But I could see how externally that would be kind of frustrating. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been awesome, man. I mean, thank you so much for coming out here and just, you know, schooling us on content and just in the fact activation, you know, and the experience more than anything. Oh, absolutely. Thanks. Uh, thanks for chatting about it. It was a great conversation and, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully those tuning in, you know, just go back to your office and, and really think whether all that content marketing is going to use, um, if it is going to use, is it a good experience? And if it's not a good experience, how do you put a focus on that? Um, and, uh, you know, you know, definitely, uh, look me up. I'm always talking about this stuff. So if you've enjoyed today, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't stop talking about this stuff. I, I sleep about it. I dream about it as I sleep about it. That's awesome, man. <laughs> you wake up content experience. It's, it, it, must it, activate. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun. It's a, it's a fun, it's fun to talk about this stuff though, because I think, I think as marketers, you know, we all want, we all want to be better at, at what we do. We want to deliver better programs. We want to engage better with our audiences. And that's really all we're talking about here. Yeah. And you would you put your, your time and effort into, you know, your baby, which is that content piece you created. You want to launch that puppy and, and see it not only be consumed, but also help with the process and actually make a difference. So, you know, it, this is just a, a natural, the next part, right? Get, get, get your kid out there, you know, launch them, get them off to, you know, varsity soccer and kicking some butt, you know, exactly. it's awesome. 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 Awesome, Casey. Well, for everyone out there, if you learned something, and I, I know you did, because uh, I've got, I've got two, two full pages of notes over here, then share this with someone 
um, whoever you think is the right person, you'll know who it is, but just get this in someone else's hands so they can learn from it too. Um, and then definitely check out those links, you know, the uh, uberflip.com slash CE and uh, check out that, that framework. Uh, but thanks again, Randy. Appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot for having me. It's been, been a blast. Awesome. For everyone else, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. Yeah.